0: Welcome to the Ninja Tune Podcast, where this week we sit down with Diswoman members Umfang and Frankie Decatur Hutchinson. They give us a rundown on how they got started in New York, some of the nights they're involved with, and their fight against New York's outdated cabaret law. We hear about some of the artists that inspire them at the moment, and also some of the music they listened to growing up. After that, we check out some of the new releases coming out on the Ninja Tune family of labels with tracks from Era, Sampa the Great, Nabea Iqbal, Elena Half and Project Pablo. Don't forget, if you're listening in iTunes, please rate and review the Ninja Tune podcast.
1: fun um i dj and make music and i'm a co-founder of disc woman and i'm here with
2: frankie the hutchinson i'm also one of the co-founders of disc woman too along with christine who's not with us
1: yes so disc woman uh started a few months after frankie and i became friends um we spent a lot of time together hanging out at boss nova civic club which was which is a a great community resource where um it's a techno club and it's really small and um it's basically just full of residencies so uh it has a pretty tight community of people that we see the same people all the time and um, we were both regulars there, and we noted that there were so many uh, talented female DJs playing at Bossa Nova, and we had met so many people just from a few years of living in New York, um, so that kind of gave us the idea, we were, we were like, oh, let's do like a mini festival showcasing all these people, because it's kind of incredible how many that we know. Um, so it really came from a positive place, us just wanting to showcase that. Um, and then we brought on Christine, who is just a wizard at event production. Um, and really, ever since like we all met and kind of started concepting that first thing, we've been the three of us just doing it. Um, and we got a lot of good press right away, and it just kind of like kept going and going and going, and now we 're here <laughs>
2: pretty much <laughs> yeah it's I think it's definitely like progressed into being way more politicized and it's politicized me like a lot more too, and I mean it 's become more like warfare in a way like i don't know it's i don 't know it's crazy like I feel like I mean, think like we're in combat, and but it's like, a, it's, but it's awesome. Like, it's, it's like a bunch of a community of very like-minded people, and we want to see progress and change, like, and it's like that simple.
1: Yeah, I think, like, yeah, it's a, Like, from where we started, I feel like it was, like, part denial and part, like, a lack of awareness that... I didn't really realize we were entering such a tense zone and now that we kind of opened that door and we feel like we have a credible voice it's like not only do we like see what needs to change but we also have to say something and that sort of social responsibility is now our burden and our our, our our pleasure pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) it's an interesting place to be it's like it's like we can't really rewind out of that like position of authority um but also none of us would really want to because now we see that we're affecting an infrastructure and that's really powerful music do you remember connecting to as a young person? I feel like this is something we don't talk about that much because we're so fixated on like what we do together now. Um, And I think it's interesting to sort of go back in time like to your point of reference and what like maybe started your connection with what you're doing now. Yeah
2: absolutely. Um, Well growing up my mum was a single mom, so we didn't really have much money. We had like only a few CDs, and the CDs that she had were Mary J. Blige, TLC, like Tony Braxton, and I think like a weird like Kenny G album or something, mm-hmm. which I just never listened awesome, to. Yeah. <laughs> but from an early age, definitely like connected with R and B music, and mm-hmm. I would have those those CDs on repeat and repeat, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. And Mary J in particular, like, her own struggles, she's so vulnerable in her music, and I think as, like, a young black woman, it was really, like, I don't know, I really connected with it in a deep way. How about you?
1: I feel like it's, like, cheating when I, like, have this question thrown at me or something because I have such um, unconventional parents, so... I remember hating most of what they listened to because my dad listened to a lot of classical music. And um, but what I did like that I remember was a Brian Eno tape that I called the man singing tape because I thought that most musicians were women. For some reason I think I think I had been exposed to like We lived in kind of like a hippie town Like in Ithaca, New York So I feel like I had been exposed to like Women folk singers or something Like I don't know what I just like I remember being like so annoyed At like the music that I was exposed to But I liked The specific tape
2: Right, okay
1: Yeah, I don't know That's like but, but it's, like, crazy because then I've come to, like, learn that that's actually, like, a really respected electronic musician. Right, right. But right. as a kid, it was, like, more like pop music. And I think it just seemed, like, playful and, like, fun. Right. And not folk music, which I, like, hated. The passage of
2: time Is flicking dimly up on the screen
0: I can't see the lines I used to think I could read between Perhaps my brains have
2: turned to sand Oh me, oh my I think it's been an eternity You'd be surprised At my degree of uncertainty Like, thinking what you said about classical music and stuff, I remember at school, like, classical music being like a little bit embarrassing or like, sort of, uh, what's irrelevant. The word? irrelevant and disconnected from youth, like, in a totally, way. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, totally. so it was like not cool to like that thing
1: no. at all. And
2: now it's like, I'm like, bring it on, all right? <laughs> yeah, seriously,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird, it um. is
2: really weird. For me, I definitely, it started, I had this really big crush on this guy and he like, so I like, just copied everything that he did, but then (laughs) I copied his taste too, but then his tastes were really good and he introduced me to like a lot of music and one of, you know, some of it was um, Aphex Twin and like Square Pusher and it really broadened my horizons, you know, going from like listening to like three CDs and then having, um, Mostly be listening to a lot of pop music. um, And then hearing that, I was like, wow, like, you know, music can be really expensive and weird. And that led me into listening to Bjork and that kind of little sort of train. And then there, that was how I... But at that time, it was only listening music to me. And then experiencing it as a raver is like a whole nother
1: story. How old were you when, like... You heard Aphex Twin. Do you know?
2: Uh, probably like sixteen or seventeen. Okay. And the first song was that I fell in love with was "Flim" by Aphex Twin.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> Feel like I had uh, well I guess when I was like maybe 11 or so and I, I was really into like listening to the radio and I had like a clock radio and there was like <laughs> um a there was like late night radio from Kansas City that I could get like from the town I lived in that was near Kansas City um that was like sort of like prance and dance music like on Friday nights or something but like that culture seemed so far away from my reality I thought it was sort of like this like silly thing that like only existed in like some made-up culture or something like like I was really into the Spice Girls when I was a kid and like I knew about that kind of context of like party, like party girl raver sort right, of, but like right. it, I didn't know that, that like that could be like anywhere close to my reality ever <laughs> Right. I guess, so uh yeah, so it's like I remember being into that, um I remember writing down the track name for DJ Fanny Heaven do you remember I that, know that track? No. it's like, um <laughs> I'm not going to sing on a podcast <laughs> come, on. <laughs> come on see how it goes did karaoke a <laughs> like, couple days ago right? Like, uh baby it's hard to believe when you're lying oh I love that song it's,
2: it's called it's a person um, called DJ Fanny yeah oh my god that's such a good DJ no? but
1: like that song like that sort of like euphoric oh, trance I yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. I was, I love that. Or like there was a Janet, there was a Janet Jackson song and a Whitney Houston song that were on the radio when I was a kid. And I remember like also not really having access to that or not knowing how to access it other than from the radio, but being like obsessed when it would come on. And like, I knew all the words and I was like, but they are like dance tracks, like for sure. But I didn't like identify with that. absolutely. And then I think when I was in college, I happened to fall in with people that, we like DJing casually or into electronic music, and it felt more normalized. Yeah, for sure. Um, and maybe in high school too, I had some exposure, but like, not like a close identity with it. At that yeah,
2: time. It was, there was loads of those pop tracks like that. They were probably like just ripped off of like actual like trance music that yeah, was cool. when underground, sure, and underground and there's all these totally. rage happening when we were like 12 that we didn't yeah. know about but we got like the pop version of it mm.
1: <laughs> totally that,
2: that song's a banger
1: yeah it's it, great yeah, it's great
2: it's, it's so great.
1: good um yeah i guess like even things like daft punk were more in the uh, yeah, mainstream and i it's, like, there is sort of a, a human component to connecting to, like, um, cheesy drops and stuff, and I feel... Yeah. like So when you're, like, in, I don't know, when you're, like, 11, you're, like, kind of into it yeah. in a way, maybe.
2: Well, I feel like you also, like, you, like, incorporate that humour into your DJing too, though.
1: I guess you so. Know? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> totally, because it is really innocent in a way. Like, yeah, it's funny. I still just probably would want to, like, play dj fanny <laughs> really i'm really waiting for that moment now um, i cannot well, so oh good. oh and that brings that brings me to madonna ray of light
2: <laughs> <Perfect>.
1: <laughs> which is one of the um mm-hmm. things i wanted to talk about because again like it's interesting to hear you saying that your mother only had a few cds and i feel like that was completely my reality as well where mm-hmm. i had like my like five cds or something and i remember like i remember someone said something on twitter a while ago about how like uh how how funny it is to have like cds or like a car with a few cds because you end up listening to music that you hate and memorizing it (laughs) you know (laughs) and like so it's like just whatever you have access to but it's like someone gave me madonna ray of light i don't know who it was probably like a someone who I didn't really relate to like a relative not knowing what to get me for mm-hmm. christmas or right, something right 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 but then it's like I listened to it constantly because I had like a walk CD walkman and I would like it was a, Did you
2: have a I don't know. <laughs> uh, so mega bass. <laughs> yeah um anyway but
1: uh <laughs> and that album which I've recently revisited because it, I found out it's by this like really significant producer, William Orbit, from the UK. Um, that album is like incredible. Like now that I'm listening to it at, from like a producer standpoint, I'm just like this thing is a masterpiece. It's mind blowing, and like all of these tracks are just like insane. And I remember as a kid, I connected with them because they're just like pop and like fun and weird right, right, right. and th- that album is so 90s like yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the imagery is like yeah. candy and clubbing and like right, 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 right. there's like yeah there's like the song like candy perfume girl and like uh <laughs> like there's all these like like skin the one that's like it's just like <laughs> about being in a club and like
2: right what is frozen <laughs> on that album too. yeah that's such a good song
1: right Going back and watching those music videos a few months ago was so depressing for me because it's like literally each video is her appropriating someone else to a to a degree that's like unimaginable. So yeah. Like at this at this point in time, like no one would get away with that. But that's right. always what right. she's right. done, done. Right. anyway. Um, but yeah. it's like
2: she she yeah she sucks. My mom always hate, didn't like her. Yeah and then I was just like, I'm done. But then Frozen came out and I was like, okay, just kidding. I like her for a minute. Yeah,
1: but yeah, we, we wanted to address like that happens so much and especially like also tied in with like what we listen to in our daily lives now and like how we both are like obsessed with the rap music on the radio now. And like just like whenever you encounter this sort of dichotomy of like, okay, I love this song. But dispulsive. I hate this person, yeah. or I hate these lyrics, or I hate like how she's getting away with this, or I hate how he's getting away with this, or you know whatever, like.
2: Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, and I. cool.
1: Well, no, I guess we've. I think we've talked before about how yeah. like sometimes you just kind of have to like not be so hard on yourself, like, Absolutely. and just enjoy it. But. It's I mean, tough. yeah, I was
2: say, you know, like, like I mentioned to you before, like earlier in the week, like. On Sound, there was a talk about, um, based around a book on, like, loving music that hates you. And I just thought it was a really interesting, like, theme and topic because I love music that hates me. Like, I love, (laughs) you know, like, um, and I don't want to just put it into, like, rap music, but that is the music that I listen to the most. And, um, you know, obviously is. A misogynist lyric or two sometimes, um, but but um, one of the interesting things that came up, and like you were saying, it's like, do you is it is it our responsibility to feel bad about that? Like, should we be like conscious like listeners in that way? Like, is it our fault that uh, these men are misogynistic in their music, or these women, or whoever is uh, culturally appropriating, or and we're still like consuming it, like. I don't know. It's and it was inconclusive, and uh, and I think it is. It's just uh, it's something really weird to navigate, really.
1: Yeah, even like uh, talking about like in DJ sets, if I'm preaching one thing and then including most of this music that I idolized that was made in like the '90s by white men, mm-hmm. like what is that really saying about like right. my progressive angle it's not it doesn't feel right you know and uh, like we were talking to um, Lisa non-compliant the other day and she was saying the same thing like damn it I just made a whole mix with all these men and like I didn't even notice you know and it's like uh, but I really struggle with that because I feel like it's the same thing where it's like yeah I try and find stuff I connect with in a really genuine way and I am sad if if I like hate what I'm connecting with or like uh, I just recently found out that one of my favorite producers uh, who has a Latin name is actually a white German using a Latin name like a fake name and it bummed me out (laughs) so much because I was like I love this producer duo so much and it's so sick that like I finally found something like off of the course, and it's just not.
2: It's not. And I felt yeah. so like betrayed, like let down, yeah. it's a let down. It's also like, um, like, why did you have to do that?
1: Yeah. You know what I mean. I mean, that's like a really big thing in like, uh, in electronic music. Yeah. Historically, is like Europeans kind of taking on names they think sound, not white. <laughs> totally. Which is. A whole yeah. other podcast, oh, I mean, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I
2: we could just get into DJ yeah. gossip in that um, way, right? <laughs> um, we could fall down that road.
1: Well, let's like switch gears a little bit and talk about um, what music or producers are inspiring to us right now, um, people that we know or people that we've come in contact with in whatever way um because i think there are a lot of like cool great voices coming up absolutely um like for me i'd mentioned bergsonist and bolentina as like super inspiring to me i don't know there's so many but there's so many
2: uh, you know i think it's interesting as well like I could name like a million names but I think the context in which we're in is totally what's I find to be the most like beautiful thing about it is that like I don't know there's just so many of us. I mean, I'm not a producer, by the way, but <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, you know, young women and LGBTQ artists making such amazing like sounds. I don't know like what is going on, but in the last like few years, it's been, a, a bit, a, I don't know, a big shift in sort of like um, people feeling comfortable making it and the sounds coming out are just so insane.
1: lot of time thinking about how like um, this could be me just being a, like glorifying things but like I feel like it's interesting that so much electronic music comes from the Midwest and uh, from working class where like you actually do sit at your job all day and then you go home and you want that kind of like outlet whereas I feel like since I've transitioned into more of a freelance lifestyle it might actually be harder for me <laughs> access that like when I worked a boring job I would think all day about like how excited I was to get that moment whereas now it's like my responsibility to structure that into like an already sort of like ambiently flowing schedule and sometimes I think it's like almost harder to assert that time when you have a lot going on Mm But, I mean, I, I see, think you I can see, see it both, like, ways, sure, because, both ways, for sure, because... Yeah, but, like, sometimes I think, like, oh, maybe if I just had a regular job again, <laughs> I would have, yeah. like, more peace of mind to, like, have that focus when I get home from work or when I have that day off. Right, right. That means so much. Um, I don't know. Because, yeah, it's like so many of, like, our heroes in Detroit, like, worked industry jobs and... Yeah then had a home studio yeah, and like there's not a lot of distractions maybe in like a less um, busy city uh, but yeah I don't know it's
2: it's it's tricky I think exactly. and yeah it's really tricky and also obviously like the other thing is like um you know people uh understanding that they can actually do it you know like that's a that's a whole nother thing is like people they want the they need the tools or they need the encouragement and like um I don't know that's a hard thing to I don't know it's tricky but
1: yeah and I think like it can be hard when like if I'm say preaching that like you should do whatever you know fulfills you in your heart but then like I'm getting international recognition for doing that Mm -hmm. it kind of like lacks credibility in a way Mm -hmm. where it's like it's like sure it's easy for you to say because Mm -hmm. like you're getting recognized for doing that whereas like it's a lot harder to stick up for yourself when you're working at a grocery store and you're the only person you know that cares about electronics like or something you know it's like it's way harder to defend like if you don't have like sort of outside approval absolutely
2: and we are like pretty spoiled in a way because we have such like core community where we are I mean there are people who are like in sort of wherever in the US and they don't have that direct like community and support like like we can say things and we'll have like People to support us mm-hmm. other people say things that they have no one around them and so there's no there's no like a uh, community of encouragement right it's so much harder i think to
1: i guess that's why the internet yeah. is so popular like even historically in like tech communities or something because i don't know like there's there's more of an access point to feel like you have support through some other network um, because what you're doing might be outside of what's normal to society or something Acknowledge how lucky we are that we've built this we each have very different roles but we have built careers out of a, a passion project essentially mm-hmm. um, but one thing that we've also experienced heavily is that that means that we don't have any time mm-hmm. to ourselves um, so what is something that you wish you had more time for in the context of your life right now cuz we talk a lot about how grateful we are about this but also like is there a way that you wish that that could restructure so you have more time yeah, that's such
2: a nice question i would love time to lay on a beach in thailand and not have to look at my phone yeah <laughs> i mean i literally check my emails every 5 minutes so yeah. it's like pretty intense you know and if you know and if you don't check your email And for like two hours, and it's like vroom, it's like a panic attack, you know what I mean? So it's like, to not have that for a minute, so would be ideal. Uh,
1: an auto reply and an assistant.
2: <laughs> an assistant I think would be help. great. <laughs> yeah, maybe actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Well okay, then let's that, talk I
1: think
2: about the, that. I so I can go to Thailand now. <laughs> yeah Sick. Um but yeah, i d I don't know, that's a really nice question actually. What would, what would I want to do? Um, read more would be really nice don't have any time to read books yeah. it's something that I once loved <laughs> and it becomes so difficult when you uh, also, what about when sorry. you
1: travel like do you not want to uh, do it no, not,
2: not, 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 sometimes I'm a little fidgety though
1: yeah what do you do on an international flight if you don't have the internet
2: I usually just watch the movies, and I watch like like a a little crappy film. I like watching those like rom-com things, you know? Yeah. That's I I, I, And that. I love watching movies. I do love film. I'd love to get back into that. I really have big dreams of wanting to start a film review site. Big dreams. I actually bought the domain.
1: Yeah. But I never
2: (laughs) spilled on it, so I know what the name of it is. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, well, you'll have to share that at, a, at another date, I guess.
2: Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> This year, a few people in our scene, uh, one of which is, is an owner of the bar that we, you know, frequent, and a couple of other folks, uh, kind of banded together, wanting to repeal uh, New York City's cabaret law. And the cabaret law is a law that was introduced in 1926 as a kind of way to break up black Harlem jazz clubs and it prevents people from dancing without a license essentially is what it is and it's still on the books today so it's actually illegal to dance in New York City without this license. Only a hundred establishments have a cabaret license up of 20,000. So, you know, it just speaks to sort of how ridiculous in nature it is. Um, it's depending on the government, sort of the mayor or the, the New, York, New York City, a government that's in place at the time, like, um, that kind of controls how it's used. Sometimes it's enforced, sometimes it's not. So... The law has changed a lot over like the years, Uh, but it was most sort of like heavily enforced in the nineties under Giuliani, who was a wildly conservative mayor. Um, He shut down a bunch of LGBTQ bars, uh, really like uh, stomping out like the club culture, which you know, spaces for the city's most marginalized communities. So it's been a tool used oppressively. Um, and you know some may argue now that you know it's not being used in the same way but it really depends like if there's a police officer who you know is racistly inclined and doesn't like a certain bar because there's a lot of Dominican people there black folks there doesn't like hip hop music they can issue a citation on dancing and um, that bar and that small business is, uh, gets put there you know whole livelihood gets put in jeopardy basically and those fines are so hefty for such a small business it's so hard for small businesses to survive in new york because it's so expensive so when they get these really heavy fines i mean it's like devastating um but we are in a great place now and we started this organization called the dance liberation network which is just a one issue um, organization and um it's come surprisingly far we're at a point now where uh uh de blasio who is the current mayor of new york um has publicly backed um the bill which was put in place by uh council member rafael espinal um to repeal the law which is the first time it's ever been in this position and so we're getting closer um so yeah Kind of where we're at with it, I think. Let New York City dance. Is our tag, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do anyway, but you know, what I mean, it's got to go. And it's, it's, you know, it's also just like symbolic too. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, go away. Like, what is it doing here? I'm so over it. And I'm, I'm. When I argue, by it, I am pretty simple in the way that I do it because I just feel like having any law on the books that can be used arbitrarily and used racistly and homophobically like should have no business in a city particularly like New York which boasts such culture
1: I thought it was super interesting at the hearing I went to that um, there were a few people from like tango groups too because I feel like that's a big problem is that the government is thinking about like clubs and drugs or it's like that's how they play it off and then for like tango Mm -hmm. clubs to be like yo like this right. is like a traditional dance that you right, guys are supposed right. to be like down with like what's going, what's going on going you know on. Right, and it's exactly. like that makes it feel even more like I understand why people would want to shut down like dance clubs because like right. drugs are illegal and like, right, you right, know, right, whatever right. blah 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 but like that I feel like really made totally. it seem like totally insane like, That's so and mean. like salsa <laughs> clubs and you know it's like right right it's right. Like,
2: but that's what? like the sort of that's the sort of irony of the city, isn't it? It's like right. it's penalized like its jazz musicians for right. years. They yeah. were treated like garbage and now everyone is so highbrow about jazz, these black folks who are like pioneered the music and they were treated like terribly and the New York government is using them in brochures you know what right, I mean like exactly. that's the irony it's like right. what it's are you like, doing? go to
1: Harlem we're jazz yeah, it's like, full
2: of it. it's like yeah, you it's treated like, them like shit <laughs> like you're joking it's
1: like it's actually illegal it's actually, but, yeah, it's
2: actually illegal for me to go and jazz see a jazz illegal, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah, it's, like pretty, it's awesome. insane yeah I think one of the best that left like a long-term impact on me was you know when me and Emma went to Warsaw last year we she played a, a party called Brutage um which is run by our friend Jacek and uh that was really powerful for us I mean we didn't I have no idea anything about Warsaw but um the party you know this I mean he'd probably hate it if to describe it this way but like and it's just this beautiful space within such a conservative like country to be really free or you know uh, attempts to create that and i've the energy is just like unlike any party i've been to and we did one we collabed uh with them this year too and it was like amazing i mean people had like protest signs there it was just like pro-feminism, like anti-racism, it was just like really powerful and like that's definitely one of my favourite events that we've done, um, you know, and one of the, my favourite parties and I think that uh, that space is just one of the most important in techno right now, honestly I'd say that, for sure, you like, I'm just going to say that once. No,
1: I, no I'm, I'm trying to, I, I feel like I had a like, an experience recently where I like actually danced a lot and now I like am blanking out on what that was. Were we together? I don't I don't even know. I like feel like I haven't even done anything last year. <laughs> I mean it's like I feel like shy boys techno sets are really exciting to me right now. That actually makes me dance. Now that this is like my job I feel like it's so rare that I get to like let loose like even a night like tonight or like I had a 3 to 6 a.m. set last night I have a 3 to 6 a.m tonight and tomorrow so it's like I have to sleep for most of the party in order to like sustain the kind of travel and movement so like to actually get to like be there and be present and like dance all night is so rare um but yeah I got to go to my friend's underground party in Montreal after I played a branded event and it was really refreshing to just like let loose in a super weird space Actually just dance and like it's like I got my set over with and I just went to another party, and like it was so fun. So, I think that's kind of what affects me is when we can like successfully find like a pocket of an underground scene,
2: the poker freaks, like, us yeah, basically. exactly, yeah. and just like and, <laughs> and just get to yeah. enjoy it.
1: Like, I, I really value that so much I have to be like so on point if I'm gonna DJ late at night I'm, I feel so lucky to just get to like what loose definitely
2: actually and like honestly I know we just got back but like Unsound really I found it exceptional an exceptional experience and it blew me away in a lot of ways I didn't think was gonna happen because you always think that you've seen every party or been to every event but like it, it, there was something about the synergy between the sort of educational part of it and how it went into the night and like it didn't you didn't stop learning throughout the party like i like i just spoke to so many people last night and like the conversation just kept going and it was so unique like the way That's true. it carried out yeah, i don't like know it was this, amazing this Yeah
1: over yeah from the day, day from of the learning, day of learning. Yeah. and like people
2: still want to talk and yeah. while that can be exhausting it was like I don't know I, can't, I feel like I've come back with like such crazy new perspectives and energy and like yeah. there's also it was so much like resilience and strength in the people that we met and interacted with that so it was just like I don't know I'm still buzzing from it it was cool it was really really cool I, they've really cultivated it's something really special there? yeah Oh, and also um, sustained release was <laughs> unreal. Yeah. There were some magic moments there for sure.
1: It's hard to like pinpoint when that happens because yeah there's something about like the ethos of the people involved that you can't really like define. Parties. I hate throwing parties. I think it's almost impossible. <laughs> I mean, I I do the easy thing, which is having a resident night at a bar with uh, an owner that is expecting one thing, which is techno. Yeah. So it's like without that sort of formula, like throwing underground parties is really hard. <laughs> like. It takes a lot of planning and, like, insider info. Um, so, I mean, unless you're really in- interested in collaborating to or help a project that's already going and then figuring out how to do it yourself, like... I mean, I just say start small, because, like, that's how my life was when I was in college. Like, I had, you know, 20 friends that might have, like, house parties, and that's way more attainable than, like getting a party going (laughs) Um, but like the logistics of actually like producing an event that's like magical and intimate and doesn't get shut down by the police and you know, it's like, it's so like so the most stuff.
2: stressful thing on the planet like planning a detroit party which actually also was like one Fantastic. of the most magical yeah. wow we've so many fun parties it was really one of the most magical events too and I, it, the way it even came together was just like insane but uh it was just like so stressful like the panic you get and like you're putting everything on the line and artists and it's just like you're responsible for so much that it's like why am I doing this and then as soon as the party's great you're like yes I want to do it again (laughs) you know like now we're already planning the next one
1: I think it's like a form of addiction it's It's like (laughs) if you have a really great party and you make money then like you just want to do it again yeah absolutely but then when you get like shut down by the police and lose like like, several thousand dollars it's just like why was i ever even doing this why would
2: i do this why am i doing this with my life (laughs) (laughs) it's so polarizing yeah uh, that's exactly what it is yeah
1: yeah get ready to be like emotional i guess yeah it's
2: not easy definitely yeah to be pretty resilient for sure
1: for everyone on our roster yeah. to seeing everyone evolve is like really really exciting because also i'm not responsible for that
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome but yeah, like it's great, it's great it's to been, see and everyone changes so quickly it's like, cool. i don't know it's like a little baby yeah. and it's really like i don't know also like on sound speak i was talking to a lot of agents and like that was really cool and like feeling like oh wait I'm like one of these people now we kind of just made this up and like Emma's playing after Nina Kravitz and we're like our minds are blown it's just like well, I don't understand what's going on yeah. but this is cool and we want to keep it growing and like that's you know one of the biggest things for us is like we need to create something that's sustainable outside of the hype of Disquipment we want to have a business we want to get women paid and this is the way we can do it is by having an agency a structure you know like the hype will die down not even, you know things move and they evolve but like i think if we can really sort of expand this like thing and have a lot more artists represented and hopefully like a bunch more agents too um that's really where i see the future A bit, yeah
1: yeah because like we've been talking a lot about like as my career took off then I can't participate in helping with this woman as well. And it's like us just dealing with the evolutions yeah. of like what yeah. we've created. Yeah. It's like we literally created our own problem in a way. It's like Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh damn, like I don't have time to make an album because I'm succeeding. Right, <laughs> you know? right, like, right, 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 Oh, okay. Right, right. <laughs> so just sort of figuring out how to like restructure that right. so that we're all there for each other, but also like trying to follow like what's happening. It's just like a lot of adjustment I guess and like it's all exciting and it's happening to all of our artists where they're just getting busier and busier and it's awesome
2: yeah absolutely
0: Our thanks to Umfang and Frankie DeCazza Hutchinson from Discwoman. Now we turn our attention to some of the new releases coming out on the Ninja Tune family of labels, starting with Era and a track called Reflection of Youth. Take me down. Was Era with a title track from her Reflection of Youth album, which is out on Big Dada. Next it's Sampa the Great and a track called By River, taken from her forthcoming mixtape out in November. no be no gain the whole world for the price of your soul but your enemies won't reach they go all the memories will bring you Step back for your inspiration Never keep pressed on your situation Always be sure and third eye open Still in fortune, show exhaustion River flow deep in solid motion Raised on seeds of mass proportion Growing in a world of mass distortion Please keep you through trials for through hella, five feet bella One slick talking black cinderella Real fast walking, smooth shit Jazz shit, smile through rain and shame Who had a shit? By River, by Sampa the Great on Big Dada. Now we have Nabiya Iqbal, formerly known as Throwing Shade, with something more from the forthcoming album, Weighing of the Heart, which is out in December. Iqbal with something more on Ninja Tune next it's Gift by Helena Half from a brand new EP have you been there have you seen it and a half with gift from her new ep on ninja tune finally it's canadian producer project pablo with oh for sure out on his ep on technicolor with a track from his EP, Hope You're Well, out on Technicolor. That's it for the Ninja Tune podcast. Our thanks to Umfang and Frankie DeCaeser-Hutchinson from Diswoman and Jack Smith for co-producing. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like it and we'll be back with another edition soon.